0: Behind the altar, out the windows, is beautiful spring, trees. Even the altar, this orchid hanging in front of us. Wow. It's just on the ground, it must be a very humble orchid. Welcome in from the Ten Directions. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Haju Sunim. So, my name is Haju, H A J U, and um, I'm from our temple in Anurbar, but I originally came to this organization here in Toronto. And I recognize a handful of you, but the rest, are you all new? <laughs> yes. Well, that's always good. I hope the ones I recognize are also new, feeling a little fresh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Um, we've just finished Yongmin uh, Jungjin, which is a longer retreat, sort of like a boot camp retreat time was tough for most of us. Even uh, One of the worst parts for me is usually at a retreat I'm asleep for the first two days. And it seemed like everybody was struggling with sleep and with pain, being tired. So the topic of uh, my this morning is going to be how do you deal with discomfort? Because that's what we talked we started quite a lively conversation at the end of the retreat about that. And I'm going into a little storytelling. So let's see. I moved to um, Toronto from Vancouver. I don't know, maybe nineteen Seventy-eight, and um, did one thing or another. Then hooked up with a fellow, uh, left my husband. He left his wife. We were just hippies, it was kind of that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, one of the th- we lived um, in a house. You might even know it. It's. Um, on Parkside Drive, just side of High pa- this side of High Park, it's just where the streetcar turns around, across the street from that. So, of course, every night we could hear the streetcar. That was kind of... You got used to it, so it didn't wake up our sleep. And we were runners. <coughs> so they, uh, we did a lot of running around High Park. And almost every Saturday, we ran to Kensington Market. I don't. I think it's probably different today than it was then. But it was really, you could get these great buns and desserts, and it was just really beautifully international, lovely place. And uh, so we ran this one morning, and just in those olden days, you know, there used to be flyers, and they would have tags at the bottom of them. So you could tear one off and then phone. Is there no internet going on then? So this, uh, this flyer <coughs> said, Zen monk teaches meditation. And we were sort of on the edge kind of people, at least we thought we were. And um, so my boyfriend said to me, I want to take one of those. And when we got back to our Parkside apartment on the second floor, he said, you phone, Monk, and find out what's going on. And I said, oh, come on, I'd rather not. Why don't you phone? He said, no, come on, you get on the line. So I was a yes or no sir, three girls, um, yes or no sir, three bags full sir, girl then. That means I was very c- compliant to my boyfriend. So I dialed the number And this Asian voice is kind of hard to understand a little bit, answered. Just, hello? Is this the place where you get the Zen meditation practice? Yes. Well, when is it and where is it, I said. And he said, 278 Markham Street, apartment 2B. 6 a.m. Saturday morning. (laughs) So, oh, thank you, I said. And so I turned to my boyfriend. 278 Markham Street, apartment 2B, Saturday, 6 a.m. And he said, well, what will we be doing at 6 (laughs) a.m.? And I said, well, I didn't ask him. Well, phone back and ask him. And I said, well, I just, I don't feel comfortable really, why don't you do it now? No, you should know to get better information. <laughs> <laughs> so I dialed again, and uh, the same voice, and I said, hi, this, I just called you a little while ago about you know, where you are and when. And, you tell me what we'll be doing at 6 a.m.? Mm-hmm. He said, 6 a.m. to 11 a.m. And I said, well, what will we be doing? And he said, sitting. So I said, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then I turned to my partner and I said, we'll be sitting. And he said, Sitting. What is sitting? <laughs> <laughs> These were the days when you know it was we were. It was not a thing that everybody wasn't. Very many people were interested in. And you guessed it. Phone back and get the information. I said, really, I don't want to phone back. <laughs> it wasn't uncomfortable, you know, not knowing what I was doing. And then this uh, this person. And so I did. And I dialed and, hello, it's me again. (laughs) And I said, what will we be doing at 6 a.m. to 11 a.m.? And he said, sitting, just sitting. (laughs) So I said, thank you, and hung up. And So then, this is a true story. (laughs) So... um, I turned to my boyfriend. We still had our yoga names then, because we had become yoga teachers, so he was Madhava and I was shivakami in those days. I've had a few names since then. <laughs> we'll be sitting, just sitting, I said to Madhava. You are not very good at getting information, my dear, is basically what he said. So the next Saturday morning, Uh, We got on his motorcycle and drove down to 278 Markham Street, apartment 2B. And there was a young, shaven headed man, a white guy, um, at the door to greet us, into the basement of this brick building. You could go look at it sometimes see where the founding of this organization was, you know, part of the founding. And um, when we went in, there were these vats of kimchi in the hallway, and like quite big vats. I don't know. Do you know kimchi? It's um, it's Korean pickled cabbage, and it can really stink. You know, so that because it's fermenting, you know. And there's, it was like that. And this young man took us in, and there right in front of an altar, which had a Buddha on it and a a round wooden piece of wood, um, was sitting this monk, right on the floor, very fierce looking, kind of. (laughs) And um, the young man sat us, me in front of a window, Which had a spider plant just like that one over there, right in there. I can really remember the details because I was so on edge about what was going on. Mm -hmm. And um, I sat there, and then Madhava sat over in the next corner, and the monk was sitting in front of the altar. And then there was the young man. That was all the people that were there. And um, so the hours went by. And I was uh, you know, sitting, we both were, and it's interesting because maybe it was one of the first time that I ever remember the sun moving across the sky, because it was like that in the room. I'm sure you've seen it when you watch a piece of a patch of sunlight move. Actually, it's not because the sun moved, because the earth is moving slowly. So, For several hours, I kind of watched the sun move from being out of the window to in the window right on me and then gone, it was still light. At one point, um, he uh, uh, rang the bell and then did the chukpi and asked us to get up in front of the altar. And he did about a... 20-minute chant in Korean, which was, you know, I, at that point, and even at this point, didn't know Korean. And so it was a a stretch to hang in with it, especially after sitting already for maybe three and a half, four hours. And then he gave a talk, and it was about toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) It was... um, the importance of toilet paper. <laughs> it was, a, so it was a kind of surreal um,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> kind of experience. And afterwards, um, he, just after just at 11, he took us into a little room and had a little table with a bowl of fruit and some tea. And we uh, slowly Kind of enjoyed a little snack, and he said, "How was it?" Mm-hmm. And um, my uh, boyfriend, later my partner, my and my husband, and uh, he said, "Excruciating, <laughs> <laughs> truly excruciating." And uh, well, he said. Sunam said, well, what have you been doing? And uh, he said, Madhavas said, yoga, we are trained as yoga teachers. And Sunam said, oh, that's just yoga, it's not sitting. So we got out of there as soon as we could. <laughs> For me, it had been a wonderful experience. I really... Felt an affinity for it because um, my I, with our yoga it was pretty comfortable for me, and it was really nice to have no talking for all of that time. Except, and it was pretty nice to just have this quiet relationship with my boyfriend, because I was always following him around and doing what he was doing. Mostly, it was all fun things, but I was not free in the relationship. My. My responsibility. Mm -hmm. and uh, Anyway, so we rode home on the back to uh, Parkside Drive on the motorcycle, and we decided, uh, because he had told us that we could come back, (laughs) you can come back. (laughs) 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 And so um, we started to go back on, there was a Wednesday evening thing, and a retreat came up and we went to that, and then uh, we moved across the street from the temple on Markham Street, it's an attic apartment. So we became kind of main students of this teacher. There were a few other people around and a lot of Korean people that he took care of. And. Um, I'm just trying to think of Before I could tell you my whole life story, I had the, the idea. Oh, yeah. So... Um, So put that aside and, and I'm going to piece another part, another story. Uh, my uh, boyfriend was a teacher in the phys ed department at McMaster University, and uh, while he was there, he would go back and forth t- from Toronto every day, uh, To, he uh, coached coach the ski team and did this and that, and together we actually taught a course at McMaster. Uh, On the book *Be Here Now* by Ram Dass, which you might, some of you might remember, it was a blue book, and we got word that um, Allen Ginsberg was um, giving a performance at McMaster in one of the field houses, and we kind of knew about Allen Ginsberg just by reputation. You know, he was a wonderful poet and writer. He was out in his homosexuality, and he was uh, quite a singer, and he was a student of Buddhism. And so we turned up on, at that place to hear the performance. And it was in the middle of a field house, and there were benches all the way around. And we sat right in the front row, right in front of the stage that had been set up. And Ellen um, was there with a young man who played a sitar, and he started with the playing of the sitar. And then Ellen began to do some songs on his harmonium. He, would, he, he started to recite some of his poetry. And it was really kind of outrageous poetry. He talked so freely about things. And um, this is a very kind of enticing to me. So when I saw a lot of people lined up to ask questions at halftime, time, I thought, well, I'm gonna ask him a question. So I got in line and came to my turn and he was standing up on the stage, so I'm looking up at him. I seem to be in these crazy <laughs> postures with men. Um, what is the most important thing? <laughs> <laughs> and without blinking an eye, Breath. I said, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, because I wanted something more like world peace or happiness or good relationships or whatever." But breath. And I thought, "Yeah, sure, we have to breathe, but it couldn't be the most important thing." So I went back to my seat, and I think he could tell that I had. Uh, not understood. So he started to recite one of his poems, it's all about breath. They were looking at me a couple of times too. And it went something like this, about the breath in and out of the nose of the meditator, filling the body and in and out. And then filling the space all around the meditator. And then out into the room, and Alan's words are really descriptive, so mine falls short in that way, but but what he was connecting was this breathing with the whole room, and then out the windows into the forest, and then into the sky. And then this breathing that was happening was connecting with somebody playing a honky-tonk piano in New York City, <laughs> and somebody in a bar in Wyoming, and to some spiritual places in India and in South America. So there, he was creating the image of great relationship and connection, kind of interbeing, but it was all up here for me. And I said, he's really telling me something, but I don't get it yet. <coughs> you know? So I went on with my life, and it turned out that we started a temple in Ann Arbor. And uh, Sunam sent me there, uh, and my husband at the time. He eventually left, and I became responsible for the temple, and um, one of the things that we do, as many of you know, is the Teach Introductory Meditation course. And I had taken the course many times with Sunam, and then he left me, he said, now you teach the course here on Thursday nights from 6.30 to 8.30. You've taken it with me all these times, so you know the curriculum. So I started, and I would get these people. Who really were had a lot of discomfort with meditation. <laughs> the um, the postures that we taught were first the full the lotus position, which almost nobody could do. And it was always you know if people who were doing it were kind of like this kind of thing you know, so then that's the first the first. That's the most stable posture, if you can do it. And so the next one is the half lotus, which is a little less like being a pretzel. And then the quarter lotus. You know all these, do you? No? Oh, you had to come to the meditation course. <laughs> um, and then the Burmese pose, which is not cross-legged, etc., down to set three kneeling postures. By the time, often, when I would get half way through these, half the class would have gone. (laughs) And it was because it was really a struggle. So I decided that we should start with the easiest ones first. So I started with the, the one I'm now doing. I used to be able, because I did yoga, I could do the full lotus and all of that, but as my body has aged, I'm no longer able to. So this is one of the most comfortable ones that we would teach, and I would start actually everyone in a chair, and then here, and then up to the hardest ones. And I would do this, I... and Sunam came to visit quite often, and he sat in on my course that I was teaching, and watched all the way through, and then had me sit down with him afterwards, and he said, you're teaching the course all wrong. <laughs> That's quite the direct feedback, eh? (laughs) One of the things i found these days is it's hard to give feedback and it's hard to take it. It's a gift to really be able to receive it and to really be able to give it. It's like an art, actually. So I said, why? And I had a little suspicion because the one thing that was different was the order. And he said, you need to teach in the order from the full lotus. And then all the way down, and I said, but hardly anybody can do it. It's really hard for people. And he said, you know what? Sukha, I think it was my still name then. Um, He said, in this culture, people like comfort. They don't know how to deal with discomfort. It's really something that we need to help them with. And you are not if you are not subjecting them to discomfort by teaching these things, These the, the posture's in the wrong order. I said, oh. So, being an obedient person, most of the time, I started back at the full lotus. And in some sense, one of the things I had to say was to tell, the story that I just told you. To say that we are in a culture, maybe more so in the United States, but I don't know, um, that really people want to be comfortable. And there's so much out there to help us to be comfortable. My Facebook page, I don't know how they found all these things that I like, but I keep getting it sent to me, you know. And it's, even, it's almost not of our own notion that we want to be so comfortable, but we get in a culture where there's so many things. You do this, you just do this. So when then you sit in meditation, whoa, it's not so easy. And you have to sit still for a certain period of time. And you know, you're, 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 you're thinking that your mind should be absolutely calm. You know? I think you've all kind of experienced that part of it. You've experienced our culture, yeah, and you've experienced you know, meditation practice a, a little bit or a lot, yeah, and you get tired, and there's pain, and the mind goes because it's not trained. It's trained to look everywhere around in this culture too. So the work then is very hard, and it's not comfortable. So how do you work? Now, who would want to come and do this anyway? <laughs> <laughs> Masochists. <laughs> Masochists. <laughs> you know what? I would say I want to answer that question, and maybe I could, uh, maybe I could ask you to answer. Let's see what time it is. Oh, it's already past (laughs) five. I don't think I'm going to get this whole talk done. Uh, It's about... I would say one answer, besides some mundane answers that you might come up with, is that we've all got the Buddha nature, a really dynamic, true essence. And we, it's clouded up by all our habitual patterns. So we cannot respond to the world, nor can the world very well respond to us when we're not in touch with that. And it's about really learning, waking up. Sometimes I think the word intimacy is a better word to really learn that. That's why we turn up, I think. Most people, actually, most people want some peace of mind. Yeah And that's important for not only us, but the whole world. And the thing is that we have is just this great essence that is characterized by experience of interbeing, experience of interdependence and interpenetration experience of deep intimate relationship with all things, all things. When you've got that, wow. When you even get a glimpse of it, okay, it's worth it to try. So how do we at the temple then um, work with people who come so they're willing to be a little uncomfortable but not too much? (laughs) And um, I think there's something that one of my other favorite poets and songwriters is, said. These are lines, a good, good Canadian person, ring the bells that still can ring, forget your perfect offering, there's a crack in everything, that's how the light gets in, Author. Letter God. Letter God. <laughs> yeah. Let me do, let me say that one again. Okay, just well, you all know it. Yeah, you all know. It. Let's say it together then. Ring, ring the, bells the bells that still can ring. ring. Forget, Forget your perfect, perfect offerings. Offering. There's, There's a, a crack, crack in, in, everything. in everything. That's First how the light, the light gets in. Okay. So, maybe this is to be continued next week. You can talk about how (laughs) (laughs) I I give it to you, so that we can keep on schedule and you can keep with your whatever you've got going today. I know we have a recitation of the Dharman Sutra next. That's important. I'll just. um, Here's one. Um, I guess I'd like to just say one thing, um, that, uh, and a clue is, learning how not to always want everything to be perfect is really important. You come in here and I want to get peace of mind now. And perspective is, this it takes a while because it took you quite a while to get like this. So you have to say, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. When I'm trying to take off weight, I don't just get it off. In two days, i have to take six months or whatever it happens to be. All of endeavors, we need to have some perspective. yeah, And that really helps. And also because we're not searching for perfect, maybe if it's really sore we can change and sit in a chair. Or maybe we can go do some stretching that will help. Or As um, Joyong, one of our residents here, was saying this morning, she's had a lot of pain in her body through accident, working with our breath. Because the breath carries on it qi, prana, energy, it carries throughout our whole body and when we learn to work with it well, it can transform. And the light is there, there's, oh my gosh, I, I do this when I'm uncomfortable. You, you start to get more information so you see yourself clearly, and then you learn to work with it. And it's really um, good work. It's intimate work. You get to see your life with more joy. <clears throat> anyway, next week, <laughs> <laughs> please come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Um, let's finish uh, with the four great vows. Maybe you can repeat after me. All beings, one body. All beings, one body. I vow to liberate. I vow to liberate. Blind passions, one root. Blind passions, one root. I vow to terminate. I vow to terminate. Dharma gates, one mind. Dharma gates, one mind. I vow to penetrate. I vow to penetrate. The great way of Buddha. The great way of Buddha. I vow to realize. I vow to realize. P.S. It's a great adventure. It's a great adventure. It's a great adventure. It's a great adventure. adventure. (laughs) Ha 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 ha.